Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm here in the studio with today's guest. He's the founder of Money Nerd, a personal finance website that helps people in financial difficulties. In his previous life, he worked in financial technology, where he was responsible for launching websites and mobile apps for loan and credit card products. Last year, he moved out of central London and now manages a remote team from his office in Great Malvern. He is Scott Nelson. Hi, Scott. Hello. Thanks How are you for having doing? me. <laughs> Good. Thank you very much for coming in, first of all. Uh, really appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, busy schedule. <laughs> You're just telling me 4am starts yep. at the moment. <laughs> Fair yep. play. Pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. So this is quite late for you now. <laughs> it is. What time is it now? About uh, 7 or 8? F- no, 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 it's just gone 5. Okay, I've lost track. Okay, because <laughs> usually I leave the office around 6. Um, okay. But um, yeah, seven, 7 o'clock I'm usually in bed. 8pm I'm usually asleep these days. Nice. And then I'm awake at like 3 or 4am. Wow, okay, fair play, <laughs> punishing schedule. Yeah, but. well, I, I don't know if it is a punishing schedule, but it's definitely shifted earlier in the day. Right, okay, yeah, so you're still getting a good amount of sleep and yeah, everything. Yeah, I, um, I usually wear my aura ring, which tracks your sleep. Okay, um, right. And it usually says I'm pretty rested, so oh, I'll go okay. by that. And if I do overwork, which I usually do towards like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. I usually take the foot off the gas and have a few more naps throughout the day. Okay, good idea. So you're working Saturdays as well at the minute? Saturdays and Sundays, yeah. And Sundays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on the weekends, I tend to do, I'm going to sound like a maniac now, but I tend to still do my same schedule. So get into the office about anywhere between four and half five a.m. Um, and then I'll work until 11 a.m. And then if I want the day off, then I'll, st- that's when I'll take my day off from 11 right. a.m. till the end of the day. The rest of the day, okay. Yeah, yeah but having that daily routine is just keeps me really. Um, like a machine throughout the week. Okay. If, if I have a day off, then I lose that momentum. Okay, um, I see what you and mean. And I find yeah. it really hard to get back into it. So that early start is is critical to keep yeah. you going, keep you on track. Yeah, regimented. Okay, okay. Um, do you have like a? Hang on, I'm just going to give you a website out and everything just before we. Okay, go on. <laughs> got straight into it there. Uh, Moneynerd.co.uk, and then uh, you're on the LinkedIn as well. So Scott Nelson on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah, don't really have much and, to uh, self-promote, to be honest. So, no, like, but unless people you, might want to connect with you and uh, ask you a question or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> more than happy to uh, answer any questions if anyone wants to reach out. Yeah, cool. Okay, so um, morning routines then. Do you, do, you, do you sort of have a specific morning routine that gets you into the office by that time? Or is it just like up and get in the car? And yeah, um, so... I mean, if you Google morning routines, you'll find some really complex ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by like thought leaders and CEOs and all of that. And I've probably read them all. Um, but mine's really simple. Um, my, okay, I'm going to geek out on it for a yeah, while, but it. we can cut it short do and it. <laughs> <laughs> you can trim this if you want. But, um, okay, so um, 3 30. My lights start gradually coming on until 4 a.m. when they're okay. really bright, which okay. simulates sunrise. Right. I do that a number of different ways. I have two Lumi light alarms okay. e- either side of the room that comes on. And then I've recently installed the Philips Hue bulbs throughout my house as well. Okay. So the whole house illuminates like a sunrise between 3.30 a.m. and 4 a.m. Nice. And then my heating comes on um, at that time as well. So. Okay. Uh, raising the body temperature, simulating the sun coming up, okay. <laughs> warming the body, wakes me up naturally. And <laughs> this is, I don't know, maybe a little bit embarrassing, but um, because it's winter now and it's cold out, I've got a hairdryer next to my bed and I just, when I'm awake, yeah. I stick the hairdryer under the sheets and just give it a blast for 10 <laughs> seconds. Nice. Gives me a heat up. Okay. Um, right. And then the prior night before, I boil a... Um, a thermos and boil some hot water put it in a thermos and okay. then i have that by my bedside i put a bit of t- tin foil on top just to keep it warm or okay. hot so when i wake up i've got 
basically a pint of warm water to down there as well which okay. again raises my body temperature wakes me up faster okay so within right. 10 15 minutes of um opening my eyes really i'm like good to go i tend to jump out of bed right okay um and then most recently because we're so money nerd is a content marketing business at its core usually written content mm-hmm. um but most recently we're shifting um, more towards video content so mm-hmm. At the moment, I'm doing that um, because we're really in test mode at the moment. But the goal is to bring on a bunch of, um, a, like, a team to do um, YouTube videos. Yeah. But at the moment, I'm doing one every morning. So okay. um, that's the first thing I do. Um, I refill my water. They go into my home studio, mm-hmm. um, turn on the camera. Um, the prior night before or the prior day before, my team would have put a script together. Um, with all of the thumbnails and everything good to go. I load that script onto the teleprompter, hit record, and then probably half an hour after I've woken up, I'm reading out a video and recording that video. And then that goes into editing, uh, which I do on the fly. It's like a five, 10 minute edit, really like rough cuts, uh, but good enough. That gets uploaded to YouTube. And while that's uploading, I... um, I get changed because I'm usually wearing something that's suitable for the camera that's not maybe that comfortable for the rest of the day. Okay. Um, Head into, and then I'm into the office. Um, So I usually either have a brisk walk or a fast run to the office. Right, okay. uh, Which is just a 15-minute walk Uh uh, through a park. It's quite zen. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then, yeah, then I'm into the office. And then really my day starts and I'm um, planning my day, checking up on emails, you know, doing and um, um, doing the normal work stuff right okay but yeah that's okay. my morning routine cool. i've never mapped it out but um it makes me sound like a weird eh? <laughs> no, 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 it's good i mean like uh i think it is good to have a sort of set sort of set, set of things that you do isn't it you know hence all those books and everything that you you alluded yeah. to because people have found that it's it's so good i think more than anything it takes out the friction of the day just like cleaning your teeth which i didn't mention and i do do and showering <laughs> again yeah i think we took, that, we took that as given <laughs> yeah um once those become habits it doesn't require any effort from you anymore mm-hmm. so cleaning your teeth doesn't take energy from you unless you absolutely hate cleaning your teeth um, having a shower doesn't take any energy away from you and i think by doing some of the things that i've implemented like getting out of bed and heating and lighting and hot water and making all of these things even recording a video now is becoming almost effortless because it's a habit okay but before that was a habit it was a pain in the ass getting out of bed and it was a pain (laughs) in the ass um turning on that computer and recording a video it's quite nerve-wracking actually um it was a pain in the ass walking to work especially when it's freezing cold Um, but at the moment it's just autopilot um, right, okay. and it's very habitual and it doesn't mm. require any energy and before you know it an hour and a half has gone by i'm woke i'm showered my teeth are clean <laughs> um, <laughs> um i'm dressed um I've maybe done a bit of stretching I've, I've done a fast walk to work and it almost happened in a blink right yeah which is good in a way because i've conserved a load of energy but yeah i've not really present for it it's just just autopilot so maybe that's the downside i don't know yeah i was gonna say like do you do you find that the days pass very quickly oh yes when you have this this kind of yeah well not only the days the weeks the months um i've been doing this sort of autopilot mode now for um, maybe a year and a half and i don't know where the time's gone right Um, it's maybe been the fastest year of my life right Um, yeah yeah it's been insane but you've probably achieved the most Yes, without a doubt. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt, yeah. And without going too philosophical, or we can go philosophical yeah, if you do want. It. Do it. Um, I'm not a believer of having a balanced life. Um, I think life ebbs and flows. So some years, or chapters I call them, some chapters of your life, it might be mm. one year, it might be three years, you are 100% dedicated to something or 80% dedicated to something yeah. and you slack off on something else. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this theory which I really resonate with, with called the four burner theory. Okay. And the idea is that you've got one canister of gas feeding four different burners or four different hobs. 
and you can only burn one of them really bright you can only turn one of them up to maximum and then the other ones are going to suffer so you might have a burner for um, your work you might have burner for your family you might have burner for your health and you might have burner for uh, your fitness Mm -hmm. you can only turn one up to the maximum and for that for me it's been work that's been or my business that's been the maximum for the last year and a half Mm -hmm. and arguably my fitness and probably my health to some degree has suffered okay but i know that once the business is profitable and a certain scale um then i will shift my and once covid comes goes away yeah and lockdown opens up then i'll shift my focus to going to the gym more going to yoga classes more get my health back up Mm -hmm. um spending more time with friends and family going to parties Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. that i've really opted out of over the last year and a half um mainly because my focus has been on work but also because um because the whole covid situation has been quite ideal to really decide okay let's just focus on work Mm. um but now well i'm very hopeful for the next for 2022 i think things are going to get a lot better with the covid situation Mm -hmm. and then it's time to turn that burner down and Mm. shift my focus onto friends family and health Right, okay. That's a good way of looking at it because uh, it's sort of knowing that you're going to do that means that you can not worry that you're you know, spending too much time on the work and not enough on the fitness and health because you know that you're going to come to that and turn those burners up a bit, yeah? Yeah. What's, re- <coughs> Excuse me. What's really um, concerning, so I'm um, early 30s now, early to mid 30s, mm. and What's concerning is how quickly fitness disappears and health deteriorates. (laughs) So something that I was able to do in my early 20s, working 80 to 100 hour work weeks and really maintain a level of health and fitness. Now it seems like as soon as I turn that burner down on the fitness and health, it really deteriorates. And arguably the same for friends and family as well. Mm. Maybe not family because family, um, they're always there to to some extent. Uh, but friends like they're all starting to have um families kids Mm -hmm. relationships Mm -hmm. migrate to different parts of the world and i think that maybe deteriorates faster in life as well so Mm. maybe Mm. getting philosophical again but maybe the older you get the more it's the more important it is to keep balance on your burners or in your life yeah yeah so is that the ideal? Do you think that all four burners are going at about the same level? I think it's ideal for some people. I don't think it's optimal. Okay. So you're never going to excel in any particular area in life, but you mm. might excel at life in general. Like I, I look to a lot of my friends and family who have quite balanced lives, and sometimes I'm quite envious of that because they're happy. Um, they 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 seem content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think turning one burner up to the max and neglecting other burners leads to a particularly happy or content life mm. but it does lead to a successful part of your life <laughs> yeah I mean I struggle with that sometimes with the idea that there is actually this thing called balance mm. for two reasons one I th- I feel a bit like people get to it or try to achieve it but then become a bit bored Mm. and then not happy because it's kind of probably to some extent like a fixed thing you're doing this much work you're doing this much fitness you're doing you know you're seeing the family this much and it's not like like you say you're not really excelling in any one place and I I feel like that must that that gets a bit boring for people and so then they become out of balance and then they get frustrated that they're out of balance. But I, I, I sort of see being out of balance as a positive in a way because of what you've said, really, that, you know, I've heard people say, like, you know, when you walk, when you move forward, you become out of balance with each step. You take your foot off the ground and you start falling forwards and then you get the other foot and put that there to stop you and then you go out of balance again. And therefore, to move forward, you have to be out of balance. Yeah, I really like that analogy. And it's made me think about the 
what I do to myself and what I do to the business. I'm constantly gearing the business to put it at more risk to get more growth. Mm -hmm. So for example, I just interviewed another candidate this morning and I had a conversation with our marketing manager and I said, we can't afford this hire. If we make this hire, we're going to need to double our revenue. Um, actually, we need to double our revenue to break even by the end of next year. If we make this right. hire, we need to more than double, 120% we worked oh, out well. that we needed to increase the <laughs> revenue. Um, yeah. But that's kind of like falling forwards. Let's make that hire. I've decided. I said I'd think about it over the weekend, but I've decided I want to make that hire because right. that's falling forwards. And then, yeah. then it means that you have to put that next foot forwards we have to mm. start running otherwise mm. we're gonna fall fat, flat on our face but putting ourselves in that circumstance means that we have to succeed and yeah. i think maybe if we were to be less aggressive and not put ourselves in that situation maybe we would rest on our levels a little bit and just take our foot off the gas and mm. not get the exponential growth that we've been seeing over the last year or two mm. Mm. and it's yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it, when to take those next steps? Something I've always struggled with because, yeah, you've got to, like you say, you've got to put yourself out of balance, maybe financially, to make that commitment to do the next thing. And it's it's kind of scary, isn't it? Because you don't know that you're going to be, you know, be able to put your next foot down. Yeah. You feel like you might just fall over yeah. at that stage. Yeah, I think it's got to be a calculated risk. Um, I was looking back to the last year and the targets that I had for the end of this year, which we're obviously coming up to now in December and we're nowhere near the targets that I expected. Right. So that's a bit of a reality check that we can be as ambitious as we want, but the reality is, is that we're probably not going to hit our ambitious targets. And so I think it's a lesson learned that yes, it's okay to be aggressive, but you still have to have a backup plan. If we didn't have the amount of capital that we had in the bank, that we had in the bank, we don't have that capital now, mm. <laughs> um, then we would have failed as a business. Yeah. Um, and as we scale bigger with, you know, three or four employees and half a dozen freelancers, like people depend on us now. Mm. If the business fails, not only do I le lose my livelihood and more than likely have to move back to London to get a job again, which is my worst nightmare, but half a dozen people lose their livelihoods. That's quite a daunting yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. thing to have on your shoulders now. Yeah, it is. But I, I, you know, I also feel like, you know, everyone, everyone sort of survives, don't they? They find the next thing. If, you know, people lose jobs all the time and quite often, it turns out to be the best thing for them, you know, for some reason they move on to something. So I think, uh, yeah, probably, possibly we've got to be careful not to put too much pressure on ourselves uh, yeah. from that point of view. I think when you're a small enterprise and you know your employees inside out um, and we've only had the team for a couple of years, and, but mm. they're already starting to feel like really close friends or family. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you, you care about them a lot. And you're right, they probably will land on their feet. They're extremely talented individuals and mm. they're picking up skills every week. So they're arguably coming out better than they joined. Yeah. But still, you don't want to chuck them out on the street no, and say... of course, <laughs> of course. I'm not advocating, you know, just, yeah, just... Not worrying about it, but you may be saying I shouldn't sort of, have that weight on my shoulders. Yeah, because I, you know, that maybe doesn't help you make the best decisions. Maybe if you're, you know, too worried about it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not sort of speaking from vast amounts of experience or anything. Just also trying to work it out as I go yeah. along. <laughs> but anyway, let's uh, let's rewind a little bit. Did you grow up around in London? Did you, is that where you're from originally? Or? No, I uh, grew up in the West Midlands um, okay. in a little town called Starport on Seven mm -hmm. near, near Bewdley. No yeah. one seems to know Starport on Seven, but everyone seems to know Bewdley. I don't know why. Oh, really? <laughs> I think maybe the Brummies know Starport on Seven because that's their sort of holiday town that they go to. Right, um, okay. It's the closest sort of nice place, I suppose. I'm yeah, not yeah. sure. 
um, yeah, grew up in Starport on Seven, mm-hmm. um, and then went to university in Cardiff, mm-hmm. and then hopped to London and didn't escape for best part of a decade, well, more than a decade, 11, 12 years. Okay, and uh, studying something to do with finances? Uh, no, civil engineering. Oh, really? Um, okay. I was incredibly lucky to get into that degree. I, I was an academic um, student. Um, I was... I. I, I classify myself as free range. <laughs> like right. I wasn't pushed. I was never told to do homework. In fact, I didn't do any homework. Um, I took the A levels that I thought I would enjoy. Yeah. Um, didn't do particularly well on them, uh, but ended up being able to get onto this foundation course that somehow may, managed to get me onto this civil engineering degree, which is pretty much a problem solving and straight maths degree. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I just felt incredibly lucky to be there and I hated every single year of it. Four-year degree, I loathed it and I wanted to quit every year, but I felt so fortunate to be there given my background and my academic achievements, which were small. Right. um, I just thought I owe it to myself to complete it. Right, okay, interesting. That's an interesting uh, sort of, what's the word, juxtaposition? Mm, Is that the word? Yeah, yeah. Of feeling lucky but hating it. Yeah, well, yeah, I think there's you know, maybe been a bit of a theme in my life. Oh, yeah? Um, I think I owe a lot of my success to just being able to grind, grind on something that I hate. Okay. Um, don't get me wrong, I've really enjoyed the career I've had, the businesses that I've built over the last 12, 13 years, but a, a vast majority of that has been like an absolute grind, working insane hours, sticking out careers and contracts that I don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully one day, maybe now, well, now I'm enjoying the fruits of my labours. Yeah, okay. But not quite. I need the business to be successful <laughs> in, to, in, in order to enjoy the fruits of my labours. Yeah, okay. But we're very close to it now, I think. <laughs> as long as you don't get up to that next level and then want the next level well, you know, after that. I always, when I'm fast forwarding a bit, when when I made the choice to leave London, leave my consulting career and focus on my business that I had on the side, yeah. um, I moved to moved to Great Malvern and thought to myself, well, you know what? I could probably live in Great Malvern on 20 grand a year. Mm-hmm. And I've achieved that now. Um, the business can pay me 20 grand a year. Right. But the target became more yeah, and then course, more and yeah, then more yeah. and then more. <laughs> so I don't know when will be enough, but um, I met a um, a financial advisor um, a few months ago and he said that what do you need to feel secure? Yeah. And I, I said some silly number, some silly fix <laughs> and six, fig- six figure number. And um, he, he questioned that, why, like, why do you need that? And I said, well, I don't want to move back to London and get a job again. I like to have my freedom and have my own business and have a small team that's mine. Yeah. Um, and he, he really made me question whether I do need that big payout um, because ultimately I only need 20 grand a year not to move back to London. Yeah. But it's strange how, I guess it's some way related to that hedonistic treadmill where you get you achieve your goal and then you reset your goals and make it higher and higher yeah, and higher. yeah. I, I i think i i think we're quite similar yeah <laughs> <laughs> but someone put it to me uh one of my coaches put it to me as uh you should be content but not satisfied Ooh, i like that how do you do that <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, for me it's about uh trying to feel gratitude for what I've got, you know, everything that I have got and that I've achieved yeah. and everything while still striving for the next level, but looking around and just being thankful for, you know, my home and my family and, you know, you know, this place, a studio and the mm. business and that I get to come and do this every day, you know, do things that I, I enjoy doing, but so doing that, but at the same time as still striving for the next thing and not quite being satisfied with it is is okay because it's a, it's a bit like the out of balance thing i suppose isn't it like yeah. 
you know, you, you, you want to be moving to that next level, which means moving forward and, and not yeah. quite being satisfied with it. But I think we still need to take some time to be grateful for everything that we've got. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think um, one thing I need to focus on is being more content, more mindful, more present, more grateful. I do my six-minute journal in the morning, write right, down yeah. three things that I'm grateful for, and in oh, the evening. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, try and be present, meditation, things like that, I think will all add to be being more content. Um, I do wonder, yeah, interesting question. Do you think by being more content with what you have now reduces the drive for more success in the future? No, I don't think so. I don't think so because that's the the not satisfied part mm. you know like I think I think con for me content's sort of yeah more like gratitude and I think the more you appreciate what you have the more chance you have of actually achieving the next thing okay you know if you're grateful for uh, the car that you've got for example um, that you know that's that's a that's a good thing because it means that you're not getting in the car every day and thinking, oh, this is a crap car and what a load of rubbish and, you know, yeah. why haven't I got the next car? But if you're getting in the car and going, well, I've got a car, I can get around to see my clients and do my work. But on the other half of it, I still want to do better to achieve the better car. Yeah. You know, I'm using a kind of maybe materialistic kind yeah. of thing there, but, you know, to, to demonstrate what I'm sort of meaning. I think I agree with you. For example, I don't. I don't think I get pleasure from striving for goals. I think I get pleasure by achieving outcomes. So, for example, mm. I can't just if I go on holiday. I can't just sit there and lie on the beach. I need to be doing something, exploring, yeah. walking, <laughs> exercising, anything. But just lying down there. Put me in a forest. I'll probably chop down some trees. Yeah. Yeah that's what I get pleasure from yeah. but I don't need a goal to chop down some trees or to explore a town or do whatever yeah. the 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 intrinsic satisfaction is enough in itself okay of doing the thing so yeah. you don't need that dissatisfaction of having the bad car and wanting a nicer car yeah I think it's hopefully one doesn't need the sort of negative motivation of not having what you want in order to be productive and yeah. fruitful in life. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And also, you know, like the sort of being present thing, you're kind of going to miss out on your life, aren't you? Because, you, know, uh, you know, for example, we've got young kids and me being frustrated that, you know, we're maybe not earning as much as I want to in the future all the time now means that I'm going to miss them growing up instead of like appreciating everything that we've got now and enjoying that time while still striving for the next level yeah. I suppose but yeah. I'm pretty sure that one helps you with the I other I think so yeah 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 <laughs> there's this Chinese proverb that I just remembered um it might not be Chinese, it might not be a proverb, but... <laughs> the, some words. The, some words, yeah. Um, the phrase is, um, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Okay. And it's got lots of different interpretations, <laughs> but the way, the interpretation that I like is that you do, you do work and you find value in work, and then if you become enlightened, if you find the promised land you, or whatever, whatever, however you classify enlightenment, yeah. you still, after that, you're still working and chopping wood and carrying water. Maybe yeah. you do it a little bit more present and you're a bit more conscious of it. Mm. Um, but I don't think things change before you've achieved enlightenment and after you've achieved enlightenment mm. or before mm. you've achieved your goal or after you've achieved your goal. Whether I'm striving for that Ford Focus or that Ferrari, I'm still chopping wood and carrying water yeah, to yeah. get there. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because uh, I sometimes think that we can, or I can, um, imagine that there's this time in the future where 
everything sorted and we've you know we've done all this yeah. stuff and we've got to this point and we're sitting and you know relaxing and everything but I don't think that time comes because life happens doesn't it you know yeah. and you'll you'll be doing something and the next thing will happen you know when it, you know when your relatives get ill or something like that or something happens to a friend or you know so you don't want any of these things to happen but they happen life just happens doesn't it and yeah. I think you don't ever get through all this stuff and get to this point and I think that's what you're saying by that yeah. potentially Chinese and you, proverb yeah <laughs> <laughs> and do you really think you'd be happy if if you had 100 million in the bank and you could just sit there doing nothing you probably wouldn't would you you'd no. pick up a project might be more yeah. philanthropic or um, yeah. you, you might do a different type of project maybe one that is more yeah. fulfilling or I don't know your career seems quite fulfilling as it as it is um, I certainly maybe I would still be doing what I'm doing but maybe I'd pick up some other um, other projects mm. on the side but I certainly wouldn't just sit there doing nothing yeah yeah absolutely and I, I think that's the well for me that's the problem with the whole thing of like aiming for retirement you know, because this whole idea that you get to retirement and then you can sit back and relax and everything is just a load of rubbish because that's where people put up with 35 years of grind yeah. and doing things that they hate Yeah. to get to this point that doesn't exist because you get to that point and suddenly you have a health issue or someone you know has a, you know, someone close to you has a health issue or whatever. And also you're 65, you're just not as capable as you were physically because you're older yeah um and I, I yeah for me like i think the idea of retirement is is a load of rubbish i completely <laughs> agree and it kind of relates to what that financial advisor was saying you don't you don't need that end goal you don't need that big windfall or that yeah. magic figure you you feel secure now um, enjoy the journey yeah yeah but keep striving for the next thing yeah at the same time yeah. whilst being content <laughs> yeah 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 it's a it's a it's a hard one to get your head around isn't it but yeah. i think uh i think it does it does seem right yeah uh to try and do that but okay so you spent 10 11 12 years grinding at jobs in as i understand it financial fi financial tech kind of yeah so ma mainly for loan and credit card companies um, okay. so launching new credit cards new loans building out their websites the back-end software and um and mobile applications right, just to be okay. clear i don't know how to do any of this i'm just really good at managing people who know how to do it okay <laughs> <laughs> cool yeah Okay, right. So, uh, and then at what point did you decide that you were going to come out of that and start doing your own thing? Right, so, I've always had my own thing. Um, I've always had hustles, been a bit of a Dow boy, oh, yeah. whether it be eBay businesses or websites or Amazon businesses. My early success, which was probably the catalyst to my entrepreneurial journey, was during my final year of university where I set up a business which imported a product that w wasn't sold in the UK. I got very lucky. Yeah. Um, that took off and we sold like 500,000 units in the first like six months. <laughs> Filled up my parents' house with stock <laughs> and like container loads coming to my parents' product, house. What was the can you say? Yeah, I can, yeah. It's um, the Red American Party Cup. So... You see them all everywhere in the UK now. They're red on the outside, white on the inside. They're called Solo Cups is one of the brands. People play beer pong with them. Okay. Um, and they didn't exist in the... In what, the, you mean like the plastic cups? Exactly, yeah. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. So they didn't exist in the UK. Right. Um, this is during my final year of university. I had a um, house party. Yeah. And I wanted... I, I grew up watching like American Pie and Road Trips, um, those sort of um, American college yeah. party films. <laughs> um, and I wanted these American party cups um, for, my, for my party. So I ordered two boxes full, uh, which is 2,000 cups, um, to my, to my um, student accommodation. And um, the party was, I guess, smaller than I expected because I had loads left over. <laughs> um, and I... I stuck them on eBay. I put a pack on eBay for a fiver and it sold that day. 
Right. I was like, okay, let's put the next pack on. Um, and it sold the next day um, for, I, I think it put it on for like seven or eight pounds and it sold the next day. I put another pack on for 15 pounds and it sold the next day. Um, and then I put a pack on for 20 pounds and it sold the same day. Now I'm buying these packs for three or four pounds a pack. Right, I was, okay. did the math. I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> if I did this at scale, I'd be a very wealthy man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I ordered a 40-foot container load of them, <laughs> wow. uh, which um, is hard to envisage. But um, how can I describe this? Well, <laughs> you've probably shed seen them. A shed load of cups. A shed load of cups, yeah. So, it, so my parents have got a, a carport and a garage. It filled both of those up and the house somewhat. Um, <laughs> And for the next six months, me, my mum and my dad were continuously packaging up packs of cups, uh, single packs of cups, so like um, 50 cups, and they'd come in like a tube. Yeah. Um, and every day we would walk down to the post office with um, bagfuls and get them shipped off. Eventually, uh, we had people like... The, postman coming to our house to collect them yeah, yeah. Um, we were selling uh, to bars and clubs because they were doing american themed nights right, okay. beer pong had only recently hit the shores of the uk Amazing. um <laughs> uh, yeah i was first to market um so i quickly sold that business um yeah. small figures um and then set up another business that competed with the business that I sold oh, really? which I don't feel great about but I didn't sign a non-compete um, and that did okay as well um, but then a few other people entered the market and then about a year later Tesco's entered the market I thought oh okay, okay this is going to get Time commoditized to yeah race yeah. to the bottom um, so I took my windfall there and pumped it into another business um, which um, was really interesting and had legs uh, which was to, um, the business model was to sell martial arts equipment online. Um, it was an e-commerce store. But the competitive advantage that I had is rather than have a generic e-commerce website, I split it into 10 different websites. So I had bought a load of domain names. So I had karatesuits.co.uk, judosuits.co.uk, okay. yeah, yeah. ninja suits, mixed martial arts, um, taekwondo, judo, and I split them all into different websites. And then I had specific search engine optimization mm. um, techniques. So I had mm. a load of articles and content on there that ranked them for those specific keywords. Mm. And because back then the keyword is, was in the URL mm. and it was easy to optimize for Google, they yeah. all ranked. Yeah. But um, a Google update came along. It was, <laughs> my phone just went off when I said Google. <laughs> a Google update came along. Sure. Oh. But first, you'll have to unlock your device. <laughs> Excellent. I'll stop saying Google. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the G update came along, <laughs> and um, it was called Penguin. The update and just um, G names their <laughs> names their updates, um, and it changed the algorithm. Uh, that one was specifically about how you built links to the website. And um, overnight, I lost my business. Um, right. and I lost all of the money that I made in the prior businesses <laughs> um, and had to get a job. And okay. I worked then for um, eight years to build up enough of a balance then to do my own thing again. Right, okay. And that was about four years ago. Okay. Um, and then from then, I launched a series of different um, tests. So I had four different websites where I tested in four different areas and one of them saw traction and that one that saw traction was Money Nerd. And mm -hmm. I invested a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more until I saw enough traction that then I put my life savings into it. And as I've said, over the last year and a half, I put 200 grand into that and it looks like it's got legs. Well, excellent, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, so um, a money nerd uh, helps people in financial difficulties because you've got a background in finance, so you're able to exactly. talk with some authority on, on that side of things. And Exactly right. So 
yeah, I've worked in um, financial services now for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. And that's a unique selling point. Um, we, uh, we position ourselves as using insider knowledge to help people in financial difficulties. Okay. The insider knowledge being my insider knowledge. Um, yeah. It's interesting, when we launched the brand, or when I launched the brand, um, we launched it as a faceless corporation. So it didn't have... It was just your standard sort of website um, that that didn't really have anything about it. And one day I thought, okay, let's put, let's do a test. Let's put my face on it. Let's put my name against it. Mm-hmm. And we doubled revenue. And right. it was just unbelievable. Right. I thought, okay, there's something about this personal brand. Mm-hmm. So I totally see why now, like Martin Lewis, for example, with Money Su- uh, Money Saving Expert, yeah. puts his face to it. Sold yeah. for eighty six million, by the way. If yeah. I if I Did can really? yeah, if I can achieve <laughs> a tenth of that, I'll be happy. <laughs> um, yeah. So so now my face is all over the website, and we're just going through a rebrand. And I'm a massive introvert. I don't want my face out there, but it converts <laughs> so much better. And I can't turn down doubling my revenue. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So we've got the personal brand out there. My face is on it. I'm doing the YouTube videos. Every article. We just made a change um, to put my face at the top of every article. Now that says, "I hope you enjoy this article," right. uh, just because it converts so much better. And we've tested, and and it does. Um, I have the ambition further down the line to bring more of a. Uh, uh, customer facing or public facing team there mm-hmm. all, so we'll have a team on YouTube a team of article writers right, but at the okay. moment it's all portrayed as me as the main um, I don't know protagonist yeah. of the business <laughs> but we're we're not too different from um, Money Saving Expert um, Money Saving Expert Martin Lewis goes after what I would describe as the prime segment so I think of, I think of the um, demographics in terms of credit like loans and credit cards and we define prime as people who um, are good with their finances perhaps don't have too much debt are Mm -hmm. able to get um, the best mortgage rates the best balance transfer rates the best um, the best deals on the credit cards but there's this whole underserved segment which in credit i would call them subprime that aren't particularly good with their finances have maybe missed a few payments or defaulted on a few um a a few of their credits or like loans or credit cards Mm -hmm. Um, and they can't get access to these mainstream products Mm -hmm. but no one's serving these mainstream products if you want um debt help or um you want to understand what the best credit builder credit card is for you or how to get a second charge mortgage these, this type of information isn't really out there. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's this whole underserved segment for every single one of these niches or every single one of these products that Martin Lewis and Money Saving Expert and all of the financial, personal finance industry serve very well. Mm-hmm. And it's very saturated there. Mm-hmm. I feel like with MoneyNode, we've identified a segment of these underserved customers that we can fulfill. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Um, and and is the kind of the, the person in debt and in financial difficulty is that someone that you've always wanted to serve, or is it? Where does that come from? Yeah. Um, so, I've always worked in lending and what I would describe as subprime or near prime lending, and. I've launched credit cards and loans for this type of segment and they're not all like this and there are some really good products out there that can help people build their credit but some of these products can be quite predatory mm-hmm. um, they a lot of a lot of people who take out credit do default on their on their loans on their credit cards and have to go to debt collectors and they get in trouble mm-hmm. uh, for, I won't name the product, but for some products, it can be 30, 40% of people who take out a loan actually fall into financial difficulty off the, wow. off the back of that loan. That's a high percentage. And these companies can stay profitable because they charge such high interest rates on their products. Okay. So they make money 
from high interest rates for people who don't default on their credit that writes off or outweighs the money they lose from people who default on their on their on their credit so i've never felt good about the products that i've built right and i've always said throughout my career okay i'll do this for a decade or do this for a period of time and then i'll go and work at a charity to right. sort of offset the negative karma that i've built throughout <laughs> my career because i'm i'm good at what i do i'm good at building digital products but i didn't really feel good about the types of products that I was launching to market. Okay. But the, okay. Char- the charity never happened. But yeah. I feel like Money Nerd is a way of rebalancing that karma, helping the segment right. of people that I perhaps help put into financial difficulty. Right, okay, gotcha, <laughs> okay. Okay. But you're not feeling like, uh, you know, you're not carrying around the sort of weight of <laughs> the last 10 years. No, no, um, and it's only a, sub, uh, a subsection of the products that I've launched that I feel a little bit bad about. Yeah. Um, many of the products are truly great products. They're, they're providing credit to people in a responsible way that helps people increase their credit score and build a better credit profile so they can ultimately get better deals on their credit, whether that be a better mortgage rate or a better credit card or a rewards right, credit okay. card. Okay. The types of products that aren't available to these customers because they've got subprime profiles, they've missed payments in the past, etc. Okay, okay. And what's your personal sort of approach to debt and debt management and, and that sort of thing, like especially with regards to your business? Do you use it to, you know, leverage? Or So... I was going to say I'm quite risk adverse, but I'm clearly not. Um, but I do think I'm quite sensible uh, when it comes to it. I, I do, I do gear my business in a way that I maximise the opportunity, and so that does mean sometimes that I'm doing my own sort of director loans into the company that I hope to get out in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never borrowed um, from a from an organization, from a lender mm. uh, for my business. Uh, I have in the past, I've taken out uh, several personal loans to fund my businesses in the past. Right. Um, but luckily I'm not in a personal situation where I need to do that at the moment. Mm-hmm. I would take on debt if it allows me to scale, but really my ambitions aren't huge i've worked in startups i've i've been in startups that have had tens of millions of pounds of investment i've had equity in those startups that have gone to zero mm-hmm. um, because those those businesses have gone bust uh, i don't want to yeah. gear my business in a way that takes me down that scenario i'd yeah. rather build a business over a decade rather than a year and have a sustainable business that feeds me my family and my employees yeah. than something that's maybe got the potential to go to the moon and turn into a unicorn that doesn't interest me i don't want a unicorn business i i want something <laughs> sustainable something yeah. that's local something that perhaps can help the community and um something that you know it doesn't make me any grayer than i am <laughs> <laughs> okay what a haircut in terms of your hair color you mean exactly yeah <laughs> <Okay>. yeah <laughs> fair enough okay okay cool and so you've got a team we were saying before you've got uh what five five people pretty much yeah so we've got um three full-time employees soon to be four after i've made the decision this weekend and then we've got two full-time contractors a full-time uh or part-time developer uh another full-time writer and then we just leverage freelancers uh, for things like extra copywriting, graphic design, any extra development. I've got a Facebook um, advertising consultant, uh, a video editor that we leverage sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a, quite a dynamic team, but quite a quite a close knit core um, full time employee team. Okay, and uh, you know you've obviously had a lot of experience of managing teams, like you're saying. In, in your career and everything can you talk about sort of you got got some tips <laughs> like yeah. what, what do you use to manage your remote team and and how do you sort of keep everyone on track how long we got <laughs> as long as you like <laughs> i'm so interested I, I, could, I could 
uh, do a week-long course on this. Yeah. Um, but I'll give a, a 50,000 foot view. Yeah. On an annual basis, we set our vision and we set our objectives and strategy. Okay. On a quarterly basis, we set OKRs, objectives and key results. This is okay. a framework that's used a lot. Google uh, made it popular. I think it was first used in IBM actually, but we use it a lot in uh, software development. Um, but it's starting to be proliferated. Proliferated. Can't say that word. Yeah, I know. I can't say it. It's too late. It's too late. Throughout um, other areas of the business now, so like marketing teams are picking it up. So the OKR framework is objectives and key results, and that's essentially. Um, the objective is where you want to go. So, for example, increase conversion of the website. The key results is how you're going to measure that. So that might be things like um, increase the conversion rate of the homepage, increase the conversion rate of the application form, increase the conversion rate of our email marketing. Mm. So typically we'll have four or five of those every quarter. Mm -hmm. And we'll set those with the team. Um, and then we'll set the team's objectives, the individual objectives from um, from those OKRs. So it's all okay. it all feeds up. So the team's object, the team members' objectives feed mm -hmm. into the te uh, the team's OKRs. The team's OKRs feed into the overall strategy. The overall okay. strategy works towards our vision. Okay. So right. we do that on a quarterly basis, and then on a weekly basis we have our team kickoff, and then we work on a Kanban basis at the moment. And the Kanban basic basis is basically you have a to-do, in progress, and done. Each of our team members pick up a task. Mm -hmm. That task has to contribute towards our OKRs, our objectives and key results. Right. They move that task from to-do into in progress. We limit the amount that we have in progress. We don't want to have a load of projects ongoing. We want to mm -hmm. be extremely focused on getting things across the line. So we might have at any one time maybe three or four different things in the works across a team of six or seven mm -hmm. and we huddle around that every um every day we have a daily stand-up right. we get that board up what are we working on what's the next actions what do we, what did we each do yesterday what we're doing today do we have any blockers how can we help each other out mm -hmm. and we focus on getting those things across the line once they're across the line then we pick the next thing up okay right i can go oh. on no, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, wow. That's making <laughs> making me the way I, I'm thinking about the way I'm sort of uh, trying to manage tasks at the moment, and it feels like uh, I'm in play school or something, <laughs> <laughs> trying to like shovel a bit of sand. It might it might be overkill <laughs> for what we've got, but um, it really keeps me sane. I know where everything is. Um, yeah. So we have this type of board for everything. So our development board, we've got. a backlog a prioritized backlog we have objectives for our development um, and our development is outsourced but the okay. freelancer that works on our website has access to this board all of my team have access to the board if we need them to do something then we can tag them we put attachments in there one thing that we do an amazing tip which mm. i absolutely love at the moment josh um our marketing manager introduces to the business is doing video recordings for everything Okay. So we use uh, Vidyard, but we can use uh, Loom is another mm -hmm. uh, plugin. They're Chrome extensions. One click on the Chrome extension and you're suddenly recording your video, which appears as a little circle in the bottom left-hand corner and the screen. And we just talk through what we're doing. So it's really good for remote teams. Rather than send, spending five, ten minutes writing out an email or a message um, on Slack or your instant messenger of choice, we just hit record and we send like a one one to five minute video explaining uh, what we're doing, uh, what the next steps are, what we need from you. And the great okay. thing is, is when that video hits my Slack inbox or the message channel, I click it and I can watch it back at two times the speed. Okay. So it's like incredibly <laughs> efficient and it's made communication across the business just, um, yeah, so much more efficient. Right. And okay. there's so much more you can communicate in a video with a visual um, aid as well. So yeah, we, we draw yeah. arrows, circle things, point to things. And all of this is a nightmare to communicate if you're trying to do it over like 
a, a text message. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so that will be from when you're sort of passing a task from one person to the next person. Yeah. Along to the next stage. Yeah. So I'll give an example. At the moment, we're doing some creative outreach, so some PR. Um, Josh is working with um, a couple of people on the team. Um, we've got some designs back. We've got some copy. Um, and he wanted to get my opinion on it. So rather than just send across the images and some text, he recorded a video and said, here's, Scott, here's how I'm putting together the article. Here's the images. Here's what I'm thinking about it. Um, let me know your thoughts on this um, and get back to me. I watch the video, I watch it two times the speed, I fly yeah. through it, and then I hit record, and I get back to him and say, yeah, change this, 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 um, and you're good to go. Right, and then that yeah. goes to Josh and the other team members, all of the team members can watch it, and um, yeah, they're, they're not blocked anymore. Right, yeah, Whereas yeah. if I didn't have that, I'd send a message, things would get lost in translation, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe there would be more of a delay, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's really improved our business. Oh, uh, cool, okay, good tip. And which, uh, which sort of project management tool are you using then to manage all these boards? So we use in MoneyNerd Trello, oh, yeah. which uh, is honestly has all of the functionality you'd need to run um, a thousand person business. Mm -hmm. uh, typically in my consulting and contracting in the, in the uh, financial technology world, we'd use a, um, an application called Jira, which right. is massively overkill you might hear like asana or um yeah. other um project management software like that but um i'm a big believer of keeping things as basic as possible for as long as possible mm -hmm. so if we're all co-located i wouldn't we probably wouldn't have gone beyond a whiteboard in the office with post-it notes in it We'd still have that to-do <laughs> yeah. in progress and done. And we'd move a post-it note from to-do to in progress. We'd see it there. Yeah. Um, but because we're all distributed, we've got the next best thing, which is Trello, which can get quite complicated with lots of different plugins and extensions and sort of macros. But it doesn't need to be. You can, you can keep it as simple as you, as you want. And mm -hmm. that's what we tend to do because right, okay. I find a lot of people... A lot of business owners, uh, a lot of managers and companies, they tend to think that a tool or a process is a fix to their problem. So they okay. tend to be like, oh, let's, let's buy this software or let's add in this extra step to the process. Mm. Where very often that's not the root cause of the problem. Right, okay. The root cause is usually something around communication or frameworks how you're deciding what to do like objectives and key results for example right okay okay interesting and you on those boards you literally have to do in progress complete three columns to do in oh. progress complete and then we just have cards or post it yeah. under each one and we just move them okay yeah because we've got click up um, which is kind of similar i think to to trello and yeah but maybe a few too many columns i'm thinking at the moment <laughs> yeah I, I mean you can expand the complexity so for example on our development board um, we will have development um specific columns so we've got to do um it will be like development in progress to test on, uh, to test on staging which is a, um, a technology environment to test and then it moves on to um, to deploy into production and then from to deploy into production to in production. And then we've got a build column as well. So once, yeah. once um, he wants some money from me. Um, <laughs> and then for video editing, for example, we've got uh, scripting and then um, thumbnails and then, um, and then um, videoed and then edited and then uploaded and then promoted. So you yeah, can build right. out these more complex workflows yeah, if you want. Yeah, but okay. on a project basis, I really go back to basics and just have to do in progress and done. Yeah, right, okay. And then when you're inside the in progress bit, inside the board, you can have all your different exactly. check marks. And yeah, and you can everything. go into it and see where we're at and leave a yeah. comment on it and upload the latest documentation or link to a design. Um, but it just yeah. keeps us laser focused on what we need to get across the line. And I find the more complexity that you add to a system and a process, things get lost. Mm. And when you're having that daily stand up with your team, what do you look at? We yeah, know exactly yeah. what to look at. We look at one column every, every day. Yeah, yeah, nice. I like it, I like it. 
Well, um, yeah, we've just coming up to an hour. <laughs> Bizarre. Flown by. <laughs> it has flown by indeed, um, and uh, we've we've yeah we've covered quite a lot of ground. I would say some very interesting stuff. So yeah, again, um, everyone can head over to moneynerd.co.uk to see what you're up to and see see your face on all the <laughs> blog posts and everything. <laughs> and uh, on LinkedIn, connect with you on LinkedIn, and uh, and ask you ask you some questions and. Uh, things like that if that's okay but um yeah thanks again for coming in and uh, and doing this it's been uh, been really good and, and not where i thought the conversation would go funnily enough when i read you know up on what you do and everything i had in my mind what we might be talking about and uh, it's been completely different and, and brilliant so thank yeah. you yeah it's been an absolute pleasure um i'm yeah for anyone who wants to reach out one of my passions at the moment is to really get involved in the local community and the local business community. Okay. So anyone who wants to connect um, that's local uh, in the three counties, um, I'm more than happy to do so. I really would love to hear about what other people are up to. Excellent. Okay. All right. That's cool. I'll, um, yeah, I'm sure they will. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, Dan. You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region. Thank you very much for your time listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.